Hey everybody, and welcome to Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network presents Marking Out the Days, Weekend Warriors. This is episode 25, covering October the 10th, 1992 episodes of WWF Superstars and WCW Saturday Night. I'm one half of the hosting squad, Kobe Nida, and as always, I'm joined by the retrosexual, the OG retrosexual himself, the mayor of Kicking Out at Two, Dave Rosenbluth. What's going on, man? Happy Saturday. What's Happy going Saturday. on, buddy? Yes, indeed. Saturdays are for wrestling, and Wednesdays are for wrestling, too. Um, we've been having fun with uh, the the recent le- unleashing of uh, new products, new wrestling yes. products to us, right? Yes, it's been pretty cool. It's been it's been a lot of fun. Um, I am on a a a one way ticket to divorce because <laughs> all the wrestling that I watch. Um, no, but in all seriousness, yeah, it's been it's been quite a bit of fun. Uh, and and what's great about this now is compared to back then. Back then, you had you know you either flip the channels or you know you recorded both shows on different TVs on the VCRs. Now you yeah. have a DVR, so you don't have the option of, you can flip back and forth if you want, but you have the DVR so you can watch one now and watch the other one later. So I yeah. think it's pretty cool. Um, How have you been digesting the uh, Wednesday night episodes of NXT and AEW Dynamite? Okay. Um, so the first week when they went head to head last week, um, I had NXT on the TV, and I had AEW on my phone um, in in my uh, my basement, in my little like lounge area, and um, I was um, I was kind of you know just paying attention to both, but um, depending on what I saw on each, I would kind of turn the volume up and down. So like, um, I had the volume on for the uh, Matt Riddle Adam Cole match. And I had it on mute on AEW on my phone during the Cody Sammy Guevara match. Um, and then if I saw something else, I would, you know, kind of switch back and forth um, when it came to the volume. This week, I went a little different. Um, and I watched. Uh, what did I, oh, so I watched AEW on my phone um, and I didn't watch NXT on TV. Um just because I didn't really, I, I I was because of the way AEW ended last week, and the the like the cliffhanger, like I wanted to follow up, and that got my attention a little more than NXT did. Not saying NXT was a bad show at all because it wasn't. Um, I just finished NXT actually not too long before this recording, so um, I got a chance to digest that as well. But this week it was a little different. Um, Wednesdays are also a show where my wife and I, we watch uh, MTV's The Challenge together. So I only watch the first hour of whatever wrestling I'm watching. Then I'll watch The Challenge. She usually goes to sleep after. And then I'll pick up whatever wrestling I can watch after. um, Or I'll catch it at a later time. If you can um, stay up. It's hard. It is, yeah. Because I I honestly, like, I tried staying up the other night. And um, I barely got through the end of AEW. Uh, because I was because I was tired, just because you know it's you know a long night. But um, yeah, you know. um, I, I I did the first week I watched AEW live, mm-hmm. and then uh, I watched NXT like the day or so after. This yep. week I gave NXT a fresh try, which was nice, and then I watched uh, Dynamite the day after. And Dynamite mm-hmm. uh, has been consistently good. It's almost like WCW yeah. Saturday Night. Yep. 
Yeah. Uh, before we get started in our one and dones and running down these episodes of Superstars and Saturday Night, you want to tell everybody what's going on and kicking out at Two Land? Yes, absolutely. Uh, this you have week a packed on- month, right? Yeah, it's been yeah, it's been a packed month. I already got shows in the can, so the whole month of October is set and ready to go. Do you want me to give the whole preview of October? Or do you want me to just uh, you want me to just give you this last week, this week, and next week? Uh, run us down the whole preview of October. You want Sounds the whole fun. preview of October? Yeah. Okay, so the month of October started with the Raw and Nitro September eleventh, nineteen ninety five recap. Okay, that was last week, and this week. Um, we have for you a Saturday night's main event watch party from November the 14th, 1992. It kind of follows along with our timeline, except I'm kicking out of two. I kind of pushed it a little because the significance of that show was, was that that was the last time WWE produced a major event on the Fox network. They had a short lived relationship with Fox in 1992 with episodes of Saturday night's main event. Yes. And ironically enough, a week ago, was when SmackDown debuted on Fox. So I thought kind of, you know, coming full circle here, taking the past, merging it with the present and bringing it to you right here on Kicking Out of Two. Not right here on Kicking Out of Two, but you get you get the picture. So it's a watch party. Dennis joins me. We watched um, matches on that show were uh, uh, Ultimate Maniacs against Money Incorporated, Bret Hart versus Papa Shango, and Shawn Michaels versus the British Bulldog um, for the WWF Intercontinental Championship. Actually, all those matches were title matches, I should say. So um, that's a fun little uh, watch party. You can watch that with us if you log into your WWE network and uh, you can listen along with Dennis and myself. We had a lot of fun uh, going back watching that. Next week, October the 16th, we're going to be bringing to you Gimmick Cosplay. In the spirit of Halloween, we're going to go back and I'm going to quiz Dennis, who's going to join me once again. And I picked out a number of wrestlers from wrestling's past who have portrayed more than one character, whether they were successful or not. Someone who has just run through the box of gimmicks, so to speak. Um, I'm going to quiz Dennis and give him all the names of uh, these wrestlers and see how many he can figure out. See, so for instance, uh, Demolition Smash. Who else did Demolition Smash play in wrestling history? Well, he was the Repo Man. He was yep. Crusher Khrushchev. He was the yes. Blacktop Bully. He was Hole-in-One Barry Darsow. He was a lot of different characters. We're, you get the picture. That's what we're going to be doing next week on Kicking Out of Two with Gimmick Cosplay. The following week, Sounds Trading fun. Places... The Trading Places series returns to kicking out at two as we're going to be covering the 25-year anniversary of WCW's Halloween Havoc 1994. What if Ric Flair was able to retire Hulk Hogan and become the WCW World Champion in 1994 at that Halloween Havoc event? It was Hulk Hogan's early stages of his WCW run. What if that career match ended a little bit differently? What if... What if the Nasty Boys were unable to defeat Terry Funk and Bunkhouse Buck? What if Dustin Rhodes was unable to pick up the victory over Arn Anderson? What if Vader couldn't defeat the Guardian Angel? We play role reversal with the results, and we try to map out the trajectory of the winners and losers from each of those matches, as we do always on our Trading Places series on Kicking Out of Two. And then we end the month of October 
with a Halloween Havoc watch party that was voted by all of our listeners in the polls with Halloween Havoc 1997. My buddy Chris Donovan joins me as we go back and we watch that show. We have Age in the Cage with Hogan and Piper. We got the sudden death Las Vegas street fight with Diamond Dallas Page and the Macho Man. And then the match that everyone talks about from that show, probably the greatest WCW cruiserweight match, probably the greatest pay-per-view match in WCW history, many will say. Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio, Mask versus his title for the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. We watched the whole card. It's a fun time. Chris and I had a blast watching that show with all the, the, the good stuff. And there was a lot of bullshit on that show, too, as well. So we have a lot of fun poking fun at that. So you can right. check all of that out on Kicking Out of Two this month, which you can find on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network over on Podbean. You can also find the links on our social media, facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out of Two and our Twitter handle at Kicking Out Two. And that is what's going on for the month of October on kicking out at two. Sounds like a lot of fun, man. Uh, really, really it is. Um, can't wait to hear those shows, honestly, especially Thanks, the man. Halloween havoc one, uh, that match between Ray Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero is probably one of the best matches, um, you'll ever see. So I, I'm interested in your guys, uh, perspective and take on it. So going on in Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, this month I will be dropping another Gaijin Wrestling Radio Match of the Month for October. It's a special surprise one. Then I'll also be doing a special uh, bonus episode. Um, so it, it's a surprise. Just wait. Just wait. And uh, we're gearing up for Hulkamania is Dead Return. So there's going to be a recap show. Um, a show that runs down everything that happened along the uh, 14 episodes that have happened so far, as oh, well wow. as um, all the skits and bits with Hulk Hogan and time traveling in there. So, yeah. Oh, all right. A little fun month of October for you guys. And, uh, I'll have to play catch up with that one. Yeah. <laughs> and then Dave and I uh, might be dropping that uh, special bonus episode. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. But yeah, you ready to get into our one and done and then run down these episodes? Let's do it, man. One and done here on Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors. Yeah, you go first. All right. My one and done this week um, is from AEW, um, the formation of the inner circle. Chris Jericho's new stable with Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara, and uh, Ortiz and Santana, formerly from LAX in Impact Wrestling. Um I'll be honest with you, um, I wasn't sold on the idea of them being a stable when they ended AEW's uh, programming last week, but for some reason, I don't know what it was, but when they made their entrance and they came out and they cut that promo um, in the ring the other night, or Jericho at least cut the promo, they just, it it grew on me. Um, it reminded me of, and bear with me here, because I might get myself caught in the weeds here when I explain this, but the formation of this group reminded me a lot of like um, a comic book bad guy that has indisposable income and has the the most dangerous, evil, hired hitmen in all of the land, you could say, um, that come in all different shapes and sizes and different personalities, okay? That's to me what the inner circle reminded me of is that Jericho was this like, you know, like the sinister six of Spider-Man. Yeah, I guess you could. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Where he's just this larger than life, like 
you know, financial tycoon, and he has gone out and he has hired himself a group of guys to protect him. And you get all different kinds of, you know, personalities with all different from all different shapes and sizes. You know, the yeah, traditionally he's in kingpin, um, and then you know, Sammy Guevara is like Hawk. Or mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. You you know, you get it. And Jack Hager is Rhino. Yeah, yeah. It's the Sinister Six. But like you get like like in wrestling traditionally, when you form a stable, you usually get guys that look very similar, have mm. a similar style of wrestling, have similar characters. They all kind of gel together. It all works. In right. this case, you have Jericho who looks like a rock star. You have two you know street thugs in. Um, you know, Ortiz and Santana. You have um, Sammy Guevara. I, I really can't describe what he is. I guess you could say he. Sammy Guevara looks like a a college a guy Spanish or... television heartthrob. Yeah, like <laughs> like he's on like a Telemundo like you know uh, soap opera. And I'm not trying to be disparaging. I, I I really mean that. And then you got Jake Hager, who is just this big hoss of a man who can just throw people around and have his way with them. Um, and to me, that's what stood out most when it came to the the introduction of this inner circle group was in a way a rechristening of him because he was once known as Jack Swagger in WWE. He was a talented performer, but when it came to his creative and his character, it wasn't the greatest. Okay. You can't really dis- I can't really say that there is a great moment that he was a part of, um, in WWE. I enjoyed his run with Cesaro when they were a tag team as the all American Americans. I, I, I kind of liked that they worked well as a team and I was kind of disappointed when they split up, but he didn't really do a whole lot that really came out at me where I was like, like, oh man, but his in-ring work was always solid. He was a stud in the ring. And I felt like that moment when Jericho kind of def- like, you know, yelled at the crowd and told them, you know, it was we the people was dead and buried from poor creative like that was like a rechristening for jake haker and and he just looked like a big deal even last week when he made that um when he made his debut he looked like a big deal and they 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 continued to build off of that this week so for me my one and done this week was the introduction of the inner circle a lot of people are shitting on the name a lot of people are even shitting on the group in general but at first i didn't like it but it has grown on me and I'm really looking forward to seeing um, how they progress in AEW. Yeah. Um, uh, my actual one and done was the same thing. <laughs> really? The actual, yeah. The actual comment from Jericho just being a great heel in the way he built this faction. Uh, he introduced everybody. He, he told them why they were on his list and in his inner circle. Um, it was very old school. But uh, also, yeah. you know, this dynamic, like you said, it's 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 not it's what we always dream of factions being, you know, like this this um, this super group. So mm-hmm. you got like you got, you know, five different aspects from these guys. Like you said, the rough stuff from um, the Ortiz and Santana. They're also kind of high flyers and athletic. Same with yep. Guevara. And then got Jack Hagar, who's a like authentic, you know, wrestler. Um, MMA, Matt, too. Yeah. Yep. You take yep. that into account as well. Yeah. So now you have that. And then you have Jericho, who is a legend in his own right. And now he's become this pain maker gimmick, too. It's, it's very yeah. cool. 
Um, I really like it, and I love the shirt, the logo. It's old school. It's throwback. That's what I love. That's my one and done, too. Um, glad you said everything. But, uh, yeah, that was it. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Very cool. We, we are both enjoying AEW. Uh, NXT is still good. I can see that they're kind of building to war games, maybe some stuff with Shane Strickland, Jordan Miles, uh, Velveteen Dream against Undisputed Era, maybe uh, Walter and his group getting involved. I don't know. I can see that they're building factions right now. Yeah. We'll see. A lot of fun stuff going on either way. You ready to cover... Some stuff from 1992, go back in the time machine. Yes, I am. We are on that bus. We are headed to, uh, we, we are on the Magic School Bus of Pro Wrestling Podcast. And our first stop is Winnipeg, Manitoba in the Winnipeg Arena for WWF Superstars from October the 10th, 1992. Um, the show starts off with a Survivor Series report hosted by Mean Gene Oakland, where he announces the main event of Survivor Series, pitting Razor Ramon and the Nature Boy Ric Flair against the Ultimate Maniacs of the Macho Man Randy Savage and the Ultimate Warrior. Um Really shouldn't come as a surprise considering what we've been talking about, what we've been watching on this timeline here. This has been the main angle uh, for the WWF during this time period, so it's not a surprise. I do remember when they made this announcement as a kid that I was waiting for them to turn this into a Survivor Series elimination match and they were going to pick partners like... Maybe the Ultimate Maniacs were going to pick, like, the Nasty Boys or, uh, you know, somebody else. And then Flair and Razor were going to pick another team. You know what I mean? I was, as a kid, thinking that this was going to be a Survivor Series elimination match. And this was only the beginning stages of it. But um, this is what we got here. And I thought this was um, a nice way to to open up the show. As they continued with a um, pre-tape promo from Razor Ramon... Um, where he tells Randy Savage that if he wants some, then he's going to have to wait until Survivor Series, and which segues into Razor's entrance as he heads out to the ring for his match, which I thought was cool. Yeah, Something me too. Different. There, I, I think um, going back to your saying, like I, I think that's a good idea. The Survivor Series, like why not? You know, yeah. Have have those guys pick two other guys? You know, uh, I mean that would have built. Yeah, that 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 makes sense. Meh. Why would they do that? <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll be honest with you, um, not to go off too off the beaten path here, but, uh, you know, I've watched that Survivor Series in particular, the 92 Survivor Series, and it's not a bad show, but... You know, I was kind of disappointed that they strayed away from the, the, the elimination tag format. There was only one Survivor Series elimination tag team match on that card. And that, to me, I think was when they really started to... Um, not put as much emphasis and focus on that elimination format. It it's now become a thing where it's like, you know, one or two matches on 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 a traditional Survivor Series card now. So I yeah, mean, it's not I'm the focal big, point, and I love. Yeah, those. it's not the focal point anymore. Yeah, and I lo- same here. A lot of fans do, but um, you know, unfortunately, it's just not. You know, it's it has it doesn't. You know, it's it, it's not in the cards, I guess, currently. But um, yeah, um, let's continue here. Let's not get off the beaten path. Uh, but, uh, you know, Razor Ramon uh, beats the shit out of Steve May um, pretty much. And, uh, you know, standard Razor Ramon squash matches like we've seen since his debut. He's been looked he's been booked strong since he started here. I mean, he's in a top angle with Randy Savage and Ric Flair and Ultimate Warrior. So um, heading on commentary mentions um 
that uh, you know Ramon has a razor's edge to his style of wrestling, which I think this is where now we start to see them finally consider his move the um, the razor's edge, um, where they where they call it the razor's edge, I should say. Um, he continued to beat the shit out of him. Then he hits that super back, pla- back superplex off the second rope and then gives him the razor's edge for the win at 2 minutes and 46 seconds. Like I said, um, you know, typical squash match for Razor. Um, he makes an immediate impact since debuting. And, um, yeah, he doesn't, you know, he shows that, like, at least when I watched as a kid, like, he was made to be a big deal. And it, it still shows to this day when you watch his footage. Absolutely. Um, we have uh, Vince on commentary um, running down the card with Bret Hart, Kamala, and High Energy in action this week. And then uh, him and Mr. Perfect kind of banter back and forth a little bit about the Survivor Series main event. Um, our next match is Max Moon, who was once known as Comet Kid for one week. <laughs> um, taking on Jerry Fox. He doesn't have um, his spooters. No, he doesn't have any more of that. Um, but Finkel, on, Finkel uh, you know, when he announced him, he announced him as Maximilian. I know. Which, uh, which was a little strange. Um, and then, uh, you know, Vince, Vince on commentary, he really gets into, you know, Max Moon shooting the confetti and the fire out of his little turbo guns or whatever. Um, yeah. Um, Moon takes Fox out to the corner with a monkey flip and then hits a pair of drop kicks, sending Fox through the ropes. Um, Vince on commentary. This was interesting. He kind of uh, kind of stirs the pot a little bit with Mr. Perfect and uh, mentions that Moon's drop kick reminds him of Mr. Perfect's drop kick, um, which kind of uh, irritated Mr. Perfect a bit. Um, this was interesting. They strayed away from the action to mention on commentary that the WWF referee is going to be more proactive and um, that there's going to be an announcement coming up um, regarding the 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 rules, I guess. Yeah. Um, with is... with the referee with the referees. So um, this is foreshadowing. I don't know what exactly if this led to like foreshadowing, you know, for a, um, a a new president or commissioner. But I found this interesting that they just kind of threw this in there and brought that up. What did you think about it? Well, they they announced too that Gorilla Monsoon was the commissioner, or no, uh, Sergeant Slaughter would be an enforcer, right? That's this yes. episode. Uh, he was sorry. he was the enforcer of the rules. He wasn't necessarily the um, okay. like the commissioner. The Jack Tunney was still president, right? On on screen figurehead. So they're like at the time. they're they're seeing what WCW is doing, I think, and they're like maybe yes. we should get more involved with this. And then last week I spoke of. When I covered Superstars, uh, Vince McMahon mentioned something about the referees even foreshadowing even more, you know? So yeah. we're, we're leading to something. We shall see, I guess. Yes. And they say that they don't watch the others programming. Oh, clearly not. <laughs> yeah. No, never. Um, Max Boone wins with a rolling fireman's carry slam at two minutes and 25 seconds. Yeah. Um, a lot of his ring work is just stuff that I would imagine Conan doing. It's like it was designed. Yeah, but better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Not not to disparage Paul Diamond, but Paul Diamond, I don't think was, I think he was just there to fill a void because they they invested so much money into the character um, mm-hmm. that they had no choice. Um, we get Vince on commentary um, announcing that a newcomer to the World Wrestling Federation, Lance Cassidy, 
will be uh, coming to the WWF. Who who is he again? I don't know. I'm trying to figure out. You don't out. know who he is? He's from you the know. Young Pistols or something, right? Yes, he is Steve Armstrong. He's ah. one of the Armstrong brothers. Oh, he's the referee. No, he's no. That's Scott. That's Armstrong. Scott. Sorry. All right. There's yeah. so many damn Armstrongs. I know. Yeah. Bullet Bob was cranking it out back in the day. Jesus Christ. Um, him and Tony Schiavone. That's why Bullet Bob. Hey, yeah. Bullet <laughs> Bob. Sh- <laughs> he's like, shit. I, yeah. I draw quick. I shoot quick too. Yeah. God damn. Got so much. <laughs> got so much cum. He could shampoo a buffalo. Oh, uh, you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Your ass better call oh, Child Protective Services because I'm not there. I'm working shows. Yeah, or Planned Parenthood. Fuck. Jesus. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm curious as to why they changed the name of Max Moon here um, from Comic Kid to Max Moon. Was there some sort of licensing issue or did they just not like the name? Were they trying Possibly it out? Licensing. Uh, yeah. Um, we, uh, we get clips of. Um, Various WWF talent at Gilda's Club, which is named after Gilda Radner. A brief montage of Gilda's various Saturday Night Live characters is also shown. Um, this was, uh, you know, an- another another piece to uh, hype up the WWF being very um, friendly to the public, I guess you could say. This was like a big PR kind of deal because they're on the verge of a steroid trial. Um, so that's that. We get high energy. Going up against Brian Jewell and Ken Johnson. Um, Vince discusses more about the referees being assertive on commentary and that Jack Tunney named Sergeant Slaughter as the enforcer of the rules. Um, Like we talked about just, you know, moments ago. Um, High energies, you know. In control of this match, I, 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 you know, can't expect Brian Jewell and Ken Johnson to be in control. Um, but um, taking on high energy. <laughs> and uh, the announcers keep talking about stricter officiating. Um, as Owen holds up Johnson and Coco hits a missile drop kick for the win at three minutes and four seconds. Um, and this is great. Mr. Perfect on commentary calls high energy's gear the worst he's ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> As uh, Coco tucks it up, like, and Owen assists him, like, right underneath his nipples. Oh, I know. It's fucking, oh, my God. Who thought of that? Like, I want to know who thought of that idea of, like, the, I mean, it's 1992. MC Hammer was still pretty popular, I think. And the pants were a big deal. I guess, but I mean, what, what's high energy? What what exactly is high energy? Uh, you know? And what's what's the meaning behind the, the 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 parachute pants with the suspenders? I don't get it. Because we're coming um, from the sky. I guess. <laughs> All, oh, they're falling from the sky! Damn it, Owen! Oh man, you had to do that. Sorry, you had to do that. Wow. Oh. There's something wrong with you, for real. Every time you can't you, you can't have an Owen Hart recap without talking about falling from something. <laughs> Sorry, man. The, I love the, it. The views and expressions by Kobe Knight are not one reflective of one Dave Rosenbluth here and marking out the day's weekend warriors. Let me be clear on that. <laughs> True, folks. This is how I cope. Yeah, it's a coping mechanism from one Kobe Knight here. Thank you. 
For any of you out here that would like to express your deepest condolences to, to Mr. Nida, you can send those to uh, our Retromania DMs. Um, Retromaniapodcast at gmail.com. Yes, exactly. Yep, there you go. Um, Nails heads to the ring for his match against Eric Freedom. And uh, something a little different this time around from Nails is he um, he demands a microphone and... Uh, He's, he's calling out the big boss man. And I guess they've been doing this for a number of weeks where he would call out the big boss man and um, he would um, he did it on Wrestling Challenge, I guess, and boss man wouldn't be there. And, you know, the heel commentator would say, oh, he's a chicken. And so it's more um, of them uh, just really ramping it up that uh, they're, they're, they're about to have a, um, a match with each other. But they still don't announce one. So um, what's your take on this? Um it's the it's that slow burn stuff, but at least we're building to a match at, yep. that we we can hopefully see. Not like Tatanka and Rick Martel, some other stuff that we've seen on the program. Um, and it's also uh, you want to see Bossman get his revenge. Was this promo like was he lip syncing or was he doing the voice? Because I I always thought it was a, a his voice was digitally altered after the fact i think it was honestly i think i think it was i think it was digitally altered because if you go back when we when we recapped his debut um there was a few instances where um you could hear him like screaming um at the referees like uh-huh. when they're trying to stop him from, and you could hear like he's got a different voice. You remember that video I sent you on Twitter? Yeah, of him in that promo, like completely different voice. Yeah, so I'm wondering um, he he did this in his own voice at the arena. Either that, or either he did this in his own. Either he lip synced it, which if he, he did, did I think he voice. did a good job. Yeah, or he did it in his own voice, and then in post production they they edited it to digitize the voice i that's just my that's just my assumption okay that's just my assumption on the um the, the situation i don't know but i mean i for the longest time as a kid i didn't think that I, th- I thought this was just him doing a voice i didn't think that like it was digitized like this but it was pretty cool it made it sound scary and intimidating you yeah. know um but yeah the um it sounds like, like you said, slow burn, laying the groundwork for a match between these two, um, which, you know, we'll see when they finally decide to announce it <laughs> on Superstars. Um, we get the debut of um, Lance Cassidy taking on Tom Stone. And as Lance Cassidy's making his way to the ring, Vince announces that both the boss man and nails are going to be on primetime wrestling this week via satellite. So it looks like we might get our big announcement that these two are finally going to have a match. We forget that primetime wrestling was also a big part of furthering storylines in WWF. If you think about it, you had primetime on Mondays. You had Wrestling Challenge and Superstars on Saturdays. You had All-American Wrestling on Sundays. You had the a WCW lot of wrestling main on, event on Sundays, too. WCW main event on Sundays, Power Hour on Saturdays, WCW Saturday night, worldwide. I mean, you had so much wrestling going on. Um, it's like you're living in 2019. 
Exactly. Yeah. It was like they were like for, they were like it was like it was like 1992 said, look, this is what you're going to see in 2019. There's going to be these two young chaps that are going to do this podcast. They're going to recap all the shitty action that we have on this show each and every week. <laughs> and then they're going to talk about it. And, the, and I don't even know what a podcast is, but they're just going to do it. And then they're going to talk about what co- currently goes on in 2019 and try and compare it to this bullshit in 1992. And it's going to be called Barking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors. Yeah. Bill Watts called it. Yeah, I was. Yeah, that was a. Yeah, <laughs> Bill Watts, who's who's related to Karnak the Great, oh, for Jesus. fuck's sake. Um, yeah, nothing really to see with this Lance Cassidy Tom Stone match. Um, he wins with a flying uh, crossbody off the top rope. Um, <clears throat> real uh, generic cowboy gimmick. Um, didn't really do a great job of promoting him as you know something important on the show it was just kind of like he's here he just started it was like one of those things like in passing like didn't you know i don't know what'd you think of it he needed a job we needed a guy to do a job basically i don't know yeah yeah i don't know um not 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 that impressive yeah we'll see if he sticks around they they sure love that last name cassidy huh yes they do yes they do um we get Sergeant Slaughter, who's dressed in a suit, watching um, the ring from afar. Um, and Slaughter guarantees that we will see the rules enforced more closely than ever before. Yeah. Um, so th- they're. I, I'm. I'm kind of curious as to is were they giving Slaughter something to do because they didn't have anything for him to do, or was he winding down his in- ring career and they gave him a job, or was they trying to transition Jack Tunney out? I don't know what was behind this. I think but, the um, middle. And possibly okay. the latter as well. Okay. Um, All right. I think, yeah, I think I've heard before Sergeant said he wanted to wind down his career after the uh, the the main event feud with Hogan, actually. But he, he oh, still okay. kept going. But, um, yeah, this is just interesting inter- um, having another authority figure introduced here in 1992. And it's Sergeant Slaughter, one who would play a pivotal role in the Attitude Era. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, we get a video montage of Bob Backlund, who announced that he was making his return to the WWF last week. Uh, we see more of his scholastic and athletic accomplishments, along with some wrestling highlights. And then uh, Backlund says that he's going to have more notoriety than ever before and will stand out in today's more flamboyant WWF. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's that's certainly an understatement standing out um, <laughs> at least in this era of the wwf um what'd you think now let me ask you because we didn't really talk about it that much last week what do you think of bob Backlund's introduction in 1992 what do you think was behind all that what do you what do you mean i th- I, I think we did discuss um i kind of a little bit but not like a great length like considering like you know the, the it's just considering sub- bob his presentation, like who he is as a character and who he is as a person compared to what we see in the landscape of 1992 in the WWF. It's again, I think it's, it's something, somebody in that, in their company or the creative or something with Vince is like, they're trying to kind of do what WCW does and have some type of purist, a wrestling purist involved, you know? So they mm-hmm. introduce this old classic character, you know, kind of bringing it back, like, you know, recognizing their history. Because it would be 
maybe 93, 94, that WWF starts to recognize their history a little bit more. And when they introduce the Hall of Fame, um, they start, you know, they start recognizing things more. Uh Um, So it was always interesting. You don't think this has anything to do with them trying to steer clear from all the hype with the steroid trial? I was just getting. It's also interesting that he's coming in being like this clean cut guy. And then we also have people going to get fired soon for steroid abuse. Yeah. So, yeah, it's I think that's a big move uh, for them, too. Even though the age shows up, I think Brett even mentions it in his uh, book in a way, like a roundabout way to what you and I are insinuating. Yeah, the steroid trial is going on. There's guys who are coming up dirty as they've implemented a stricter um, drug testing policy. Yeah, so, and that Ico Pro, bro. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, there's no WBF ads in Ico Pro in these uh, these last few superstars. That's for sure. Um, up next, we got Kamala taking on Kevin Kruger, and before the match, the Undertaker's on the video wall telling Kamala to rest in peace. Yeah, and Vince actually does call it the video wall. <laughs> I'm serious. He's keeping up to date in 1992. Yeah, no, they, I know. they haven't called it the Titantron. They don't know what it's. Yeah, they haven't, you know, copyrighted a, but he's, a gimmick. But the way he said it, too, sounded like he was like making some big reveal as well, right. you know? Right. Like, it's the video wall. We have like a video wall. Character to the show, you know? <laughs> yeah, we have a video wall, and fucking Jim Ross stands in front of a green screen with a fake VCR set up a home entertainment system from 1987. <laughs> Fuck out of here. We have a video wall. <laughs> the VCR <laughs> It does. It does. It it's looks a fucking like a really reel-to-reel player. Entertainment system. Yeah. What's that? I think it has a reel-to-reel player in the background. <laughs> you know what it looks like? It looks like he's got like a laser disc uh, 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 set up over there. Oh, yeah. On uh, Saturday night. Yes, indeed. Jesus. Jesus Christ. Um. Yeah, so Kamala sells, you know, Undertaker's presence. He's scared to death. Um, but Kamala, you know, makes short work of Kruger, uh, getting the splash for the win at 1 minute 17 seconds. Paul Bearer comes back out with the casket and uh, does the same thing he did, you know, a couple weeks prior, um, scaring Kamala, who then once again retreats through the crowd. As Vince announces, Kamala will face the British Bulldog on primetime wrestling, uh, which sounds like that's the least of Kamala's worries. Um you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, his current standing in the WWF, he's got Undertaker to worry about, not Bulldog. But um, kind of hype those other shows, you know what I mean? Um, Survivor Series ad airs. Um, and then we get but Bill at least, Joe I'm Dorn. Sorry, sorry. At least we're getting like, a, you know, a Bulldog versus Kamala, a match that's not going to be an enhancement match. You know, at least WWF is yeah, trying to sure. push in that direction a little bit more. As they see yeah, what WCW for, has done. Yeah, for primetime, yeah. I mean, primetime was always about, like, primetime was always about, like, best of clips with, like, um, uh, more superstar matches than just enhancement matches. Mm-hmm. Um, which I've noticed from watching primetime over the years and even recently. Um, but, yeah, superstars, you barely got a, um, a, a like, a main event caliber match. Um, it was it was primetime that, that kind of... Uh, you know, showed those matches. But anyhow, um, I think I said his name right. Bill Joe Doyne um, taking on Brett the Hitman Hart. 
I think he said that one right. I think so too. Yeah, I mean, I'll have to go back and check. Um, I'm sure if I didn't, Brett will uh, Brett will have an interview on the internet telling me how I shouldn't be allowed to podcast anymore because I said his name wrong. You know, a real podcaster um, wouldn't. Yeah, he wouldn't yeah. say my name wrong. Yeah, he Fuck would say name. sorry if he did. Sorry or sorry? Sorry. Sorry. Okay. No, sorry. Sorry. No, sorry. All right. I am so that you are a miserable old fuck, Brett. <laughs> we can't forgive people for me. Forgive people for making mistakes because God forbid somebody made a fucking mistake. <laughs> no, let me go off here for a minute. Okay. You know, I, I, I kind of had this while we're on the subject of Brett here. Okay. You know, I, I'm not, I, I get it. Like his career was cut short because of Goldberg's inexperience and Goldberg made a mistake. It's not like Goldberg meant to kick him in the head and did this on purpose to end his career. Okay. Um, but Brett, every time he gets interviewed, he's always complaining about something. Somebody's an asshole. Somebody did this to them. He hates Hogan. He hates Sean. He hates Hunter, but he's got no problem collecting a paycheck from WWE when they give him a fucking call. Um, and now Goldberg shouldn't be in the hall of fame. This, that, and the other, the free birds are a bunch of drug addicts. Why are they in the Hall of Fame? He's always got a problem with somebody. He's just such a bitter old fucking man that can't fucking accept the way things are sometimes, okay? He can't. It's like the whole world's got to revolve around him. He needs attention, needs to stay relevant. I respect his contributions to wrestling. He's a great wrestler. He did a lot for wrestling. But guess what? It's not all about you, motherfucker. It's not. I'm so tired of him compl- every time, every fucking time. I lost respect for him a long time ago when he was interviewed about Roddy Piper's death and because he had a close relationship with Piper and he name dropped Hogan in the interview and said, oh, I bet Hogan's happy that Piper died because it gets the heat off him for being a racist. Jesus. And when I when he said that, I was like, wait a minute. Hogan was nowhere in that conversation. The, the, the guy who interviewed him didn't even ask him anything about Hogan. And all of a sudden, this concussed motherfucker decides, oh, well, I'm just going to fucking bring up Hogan's name because I'm still mad he didn't do the job for me in 1993. Sorry. He probably still has a dartboard of Sean up or something. Yeah. Bitter Bret Hart, did everybody. Read, did, did you read recently that he was told that they asked him to be the leader of the clique? No. Did you hear that? No. Yeah. Yeah, he said on Twitter that he was asked to be the leader of the clique. Um, and like you Scott know, they Hall, even like, asked me. Yeah, they asked him to be the leader of the clique, a little backstage group that they all fucking hung out together. Asked him to be the leader. Give me a fucking break. Scott Hall denied it. I think Nash denied it as well. Um, but then Waltman um, cleared up those rumors and said something. Um, to the effect of uh, uh, they asked Brett to, like, join them, I guess, like, for more solidarity in the locker room and not necessarily be a leader. Uh, um, but, yeah, you know, that's just that's just Brett making shit up like he normally does. Like I said, I respect what he's done, but I'm sorry. I'm just not. I, 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 I've lost a lot of respect for him <laughs> as a person. Yeah. Just for the way he, he conducts himself in interviews. Everything, like... We should just pick a name out of a hat and guess who he's going to bitch about in his next public <laughs> interview. For real. It's true. 
It's fucking true. And then you know what the funny thing is about him too? Not to go off on another tangent here, but I'm just going to do it anyways because I'm on a fucking roll right now. Is that anytime he's interviewed about someone, like another talent that's like on a roll or on the rise, he all of a sudden fucking says that he told this person to look at this guy and give him a push or he discovered this fucking person. Oh, yeah. You know I always I mean? liked uh, Cody Rhodes. Yeah. Yeah, I know. He was like, he's like, I saw Steve Austin before Steve Austin saw Steve Austin. No, you fucking didn't. Well, we start to see Steve Austin in this episode. I think uh, I I will cue us up later when we yes. get to it. But back to but Bret anyhow, Hart. What? Yeah, how sorry. does this match end? This match ends with a sharpshooter um, in three Ooh, minutes and twenty five seconds. Yeah, I know. And I Shocker, bet Bret yeah. didn't hurt the guy, and the guy probably hurt him. Somehow. Yeah, Brett was probably just hurt at the fact that he had to wrestle this guy named Bill Joe Doyne. Um, they talk more about the feud with him and Papa Shango here, um, you know, which I guess is going to culminate at some point. As a matter of fact, it culminates on that Saturday night's main event watch party on Kicking Out It 2, which you could check out this week. Um, yeah, nothing really crazy about this show here. Um, this whole episode of Superstars, other than the announcement of the main event between uh, Razor and Flair against Perfect and, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Warrior and Savage. Um, and maybe, I guess, the Sergeant Slaughter announcement that he's like, you know, the, the enforcer of the rules. But, um, yeah, what did you think of Superstars? Uh, not the best show. I mean, I, okay. I liked the little introduction of um, <clears throat> Sergeant Slaughter, like you said. The Max Moon match wasn't terrible. Um, no, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was WWF superstars, everybody. <laughs> yes, it was. All right, you ready to go to uh, later that evening, six oh five, WCW Saturday night, Atlanta, Georgia, center stage. Yes, let's do it, my man. Let's do it. We open with Tony Schiavone on the voiceover pimping the program. This is a little different. Um, asking. If we will get the challenge accepted from the new unified tag team champions, Barry Windham and Dustin uh, Rhodes against Brian Pillman and Stunning Steve. Huh? When did that happen? We'll see. We'll find out. Uh, We might get the contract signing between Sting and Jake Roberts for their spin the wheel, make the deal. And we'll get a profile of Eric Watts. Eric Watts, everybody. Sweet. Fun episode. Let's get into it. Let's do it, man. We go to Jim Ross ringside, letting us know again what will happen. Sweet. Let's reiterate it again. Then he announces the tag team match is official. Um, Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes will defend their tag team titles against Brian or will have a match against Brian Pillman and stunning Steve Austin. Sweet. And then coming out, this is Sting and his opponent this is Orion. That's how Rhubarb said it. <laughs> <laughs> ugly stuff to Rhubarb start us pie, off. Everybody. Yeah. There's some ugly stuff to start us off. Sting is clearly in control, control, but doesn't know how to call like a captivating match. It's kind of like, I don't know. He's trying to get a wrist lock on the guy and yeah. Stinger splash and then a scorpion death lock. Sting wins. Uh, nothing much there. Then we go. You know what's interesting? The, I'm sorry to cut you okay. off. The name Orion. It sounded like a fucking ride at a carnival. Right. 
Yeah. <laughs> like Gravitron. Sting <laughs> versus the Orion. Can he last yeah. three minutes? He just ate two chili dogs and a Slurpee. <laughs> we'll see. Oh, man. Um, he might have a stinger splash. <laughs> okay. Uh, then we go to ringside with Jim Rouse and Cowboy Bill Watts, and they're with Ravishing Rick Rude and Medusa. In front of the wheel, this is a nice little uh, setup. They have that big buzzsaw, spin the wheel, make the deal in the background. Rick Rude is going to be facing the NWA champion, Masahiro Chono, who I guess just keeps on wrestling with a broken neck. Um, that's interesting because that match with Steve Austin happened uh, back in September. I guess he can take a month off or I don't know if he's still wrestling. Uh, it's scary, but whatever. Um, Bill Watts. Then stares states that uh, since Rick Rude claims that Chono only won because Rick had everyone beat but the referee in the match, who was a Japanese referee, there's now going to be two appointed referees, and Rick Rude gets to pick one, and Masahiro Chono gets to pick a referee. Rick says, when I get a fair shake, you'll see that I'm the man, and I'll be the world champion. Okay, we'll see how that goes. What'd you think of that? I thought it was interesting. I liked the setup. Um, I, you know what I loved about this was the the the, the spin the wheel actual in the background. Yeah. Um, really getting you hyped up for for this Halloween havoc. Um, but yeah, the importance of um, the 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 rules for this match with the two referees I thought was very interesting and kind of goes to our conversation that we made earlier how WCW was really on on screen enforcing rules and really sticking by them um almost like an athletic competition um so yeah i thought this was a good segment and a good uh a, a good hype, way to hype this match for the pay-per-view absolutely we go to a commercial and come back coming to the ring it's arn anderson and bobby eaton not with paul e dangerously no dangerous alliance their opponents dave diamond no michael hayes either yeah yeah, exactly. What happened to all that stuff? I don't know. Their opponents, Dave Diamond and Pistol Pez Watley. Okay. Bobby and Arn work the arm over of Dave Diamond. Arn. Uh, arm bar takedown from Bobby to Dave Diamond. And then Arn comes in the ring, hits him with a knee, and then an arm bar submission. It's over. Jim says, well, that's two submission moves in a row on this show. We're submission heavy here. Uh, Jim Ross then says, well, folks, if you're at home, you're wondering what's a lights out match. Well, Bill Watts is going to let us know. So we go to Bill Watts to explain what the lights out match concept is. Bill Watts runs down and explains the history of NWA wanting to keep pure, good, clean fighting. But then territories had developed stipulation matches that uh, got dangerous, like the steel cage, the scaffold match, the coal, mi the coal miner's glove match. Uh, uh, now there's lights out match doesn't mean that the lights are going to be out in the arena, silly. It just signifies that the match is unsanctioned and separate from the rest of the card, and it's not going to be implemented or regulated by the NWA. Okay. So Jake and Sting will be signing a contract or a waiver to absolve responsibility or liability of WCW for anything that might happen to them in their spin-the-wheel, make-the-deal match, building a lot of... Um, anticipation right here and a lot of um, 
I don't know, just suspense for what could happen. Anything could happen, you know? Yeah. Um, I just remember as a kid when they announced this concept, the spin the wheel, make the deal, um, just being so excited of like what the match was going to be mm-hmm. um, between these two. And the they made their rivalry so personal so quickly that um, it, it – it, it's one of the reasons why I like WCW during this time period. And I thought of it so fondly was because of the Jake sting stuff. Um, and, and the, the hype leading up into this match, especially with the, 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 the spin the wheel, make the deal concept. Absolutely. Um, and building more hype for it, we go to ringside with Jim and Ross and Bill Watts and Jake and Sting are there. They come out across from each other on a tiny table with a contract in the center of it and a pen. Sting says, I have no problem signing the waiver and spinning the wheel. He says the wheel spins for both of us, just not one of us. You know, not just one of us. So it's pretty cool. Um, he, he brings that up. You know, Jake, you're going to suffer in this match as well. Again, they're in yeah. front of this big blade, spin the wheel, make the deal. Jake then says, get ready, Sting. Get really ready. He brings up the spinner's choice, which is a new stipulation that's been added to the uh, – the the wheel sting says he has no problem with the mystery match even though technically right now they're all fucking mystery matches you don't know what you're going into and uh, anyhow that's a good point yeah whatever uh, i'm just um yeah um jake you better not let your mouth override your butt and the crowd the crowd's like woo yeah yeah jake then signs and then sting signs jake says it's a foolish mistake and I'm gonna end your career, Sting. And I'll be comfortably I'll be comfortably numb when I lay you out. You mean you're gonna be high as shit in the match? Look at that Pink Floyd reference, yeah. huh? Yeah. Um before we go to commercial, they list off all the possibilities and outcomes for the matches on Spin the Wheel, Make the Deal. Um we get so many possibilities for so many great gimmick matches or stipulation matches. Um but my thought here is so Jake is spinning the wheel because he was talking about the spinner's choice and he's going to pick a match. So he gets the spin. How did they decide who's spinning the wheel? I don't know. Um, coin flip. I, I don't, don't know. know if it's, they didn't really make that clear. I don't know if it's going to be like a coin toss or if it's something that's determined at the pay-per-view. Um, I, uh, I didn't, now that you mentioned that, it didn't really come to me, but now that I think about it, I always thought the wheel just automatically spun. Like you had like a referee do it and then it just spins and that's when it comes up. On I didn't know that the participants or at least one of them get to spin the wheel. So that's interesting. Well, you have that but, choice yeah. that says spinner's choice. So who would be yeah. the spinner, you know? Yeah, maybe it's like maybe it's kind of determined like a coin flip like they do with, you know, war games as to which team gets to put their, you know, their 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 guy in next. So, I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. Back I would from the heel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would that would make sense, right? Yeah, but it is ninety two. So <sighs> back from the commercial, it's Robbie Walker who looks like Elix Skipper's dad or something. Uh, he's teaming up with Shane Douglas, and they're out to face Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker and Pat Rose. Pat Rose, the first man to jump ship. Remember, he was on both programs in the same day. He started the war. Yeah. <laughs> Douglas does. Before you get, okay. Before you get into your recap, sorry. You know who Robbie Walker is? No. Did you ever hear the story about him? No. 
So in the Nitro era, he was hard work Bobby Walker. Okay. He was like an enhancement talent. Oh, hard, hard work Bobby Walker. Yeah. Yeah. So he sued WCW in a racial discrimination lawsuit. Okay. I believe he won because Turner was always known to just pay the settlement because they didn't like being sued. Correct. They used to, all the wrestlers, you say, oh, just sue Turner. You'll get your money. Um, it was like a big running joke. Anyhow, long story short, it was, God, I can't remember how many years ago, but it was recent within the last, maybe I'd say about 10 years. Um, he was arrested and he's currently serving time in jail in prison for um, uh, prostitution and sex trafficking. Hard working. Rabbit walking, yeah. damn. That's right. I'm working, Bobby. You know, I'm gonna let me while while you continue your recap. Let me just let me Google this and and make yeah, sure. sure. Um, um, yeah, go ahead, continue. I I'm sorry. Douglas actually does a headstand scissors in the match, and uh, it's pretty impressive. Robbie Walker can do a drop kick, and that's about it. Hard walking, hard dropping, hard pimping, uh, sex trafficking. Robbie Walker, everybody. <laughs> Jim then wonders on commentary to himself because he's doing the commentary by himself, but he's doing a great job. He says, "Will Jake pick the what? What will Jake pick uh, if the wheel lands on Spinner's choice?" So again, why does Jake get to spin? How did we decide this? I don't know. Anyhow, Jim tells kids. Spend your parents' money and find out some possible uh, picks for the spinner's choice if it's landed on, uh, you know? Trying to build that tension there uh, or build the suspense for what's going to happen. Nick Patrick is such a bad referee in this match, Shane has to let him know he's there to be cut off as a face. Nick Patrick, everybody. He's always in favor of the heels when it hurts the match. We get a big belly-to-belly from Shane to Pat Rose. One, two, three. He he pins the legend, Pat Rose, everybody. That's it. So, upon doing my research, hardworking Bobby Walker is the nephew of Thunderbolt Patterson. Interesting. Okay. And he, along with Hardbody Harrison and Sonny Ono and several other performers, filed a lawsuit against WCW alleging racial discrimination. He claimed that his Caucasian opponents were told to make him look bad and if he was told that he would never hold a championship belt. He also stated he was paid less money than the company's Caucasian wrestlers. And the suit also stated that African-American wrestlers were made to look loud, obnoxious, pompous, and shiftless. On April 3, 2001, a judge ruled that WCW had not committed fraud or breached the contracts of the plaintiff. He also ruled that the discrimination lawsuit could proceed because the World Wrestling Federation, now World Wrestling Entertainment, had purchased WCW after the lawsuit was filed. Walker's lawyer stated that the plaintiffs would pursue legal action against the WWF. Hmm. The lawsuit would eventually be settled out of court and sources report that hard, hard, hard work and Bobby Walker received a large payout. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, interesting stuff there. Uh, you wouldn't want to have, you know, your black wrestlers just carry around party cups and drink alcohol and dance all the time, right? <laughs> That'd be racist, maybe. Let me get that money, money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, we go to Cactus Jack and the Barbarian in a vignette covering the Barbarian's training. Then we see four jobbers. One of them is Buddy Lee Parker. Uh, we get a, they all slam Barbarian in secession. 
one after another. Then they try to pin him one after another. They He kicks out at one. Then they all dogpile on top of Barbarian. He kicks out of all four men. Ron Simmons at Halloween. You have a date with destiny, says Cactus Jack. All right, good stuff there, I guess. Building hey. up that power slam, you know? Hold the phone for a second. Yeah. I was mistaken. Hard, bo- hard working Bobby Walker was not arrested for sex trafficking. I apologize. Oh, I was confused. I know, <laughs> but I was confused with Hard Body Harrison, who was another enhancement talent of of African American descent um, in WCW. He was arrested in 2007 and sentenced to life in prison for his part in a sex trafficking and forced labor ring. And so carrying I true to the name Hard Body. Hard body, hard working, whatever. Somebody was hard and somebody went to jail and was about to serve some hard time. Now he got a hard body. Yeah, he got a hard body for serving some hard time, baby. That's right, baby. Hard times. Uh, All right. I'm sorry. I'm totally going off the beaten path here. Um, Ruining your recap here. I apologize. Out next, it's Marcus Alexander Bagwell. He's out to face Paul Lee. Paul Lee, everybody. Yeah. Fisherman suplex, that's, that's more a, like a perfect plex. One, two, three, Bagwell wins. Uh, is Paulie dangerously out of WCW now? Not yet. Okay, close. Not yet, but he his presence is, um, is, is lacking yeah. on these last few shows, I will say. Jim Ross then tosses to what happened last week where Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes won the unified tag team titles from Terry Bam Bam Gordy and Dr. Death Steve Williams, the um, Miracle Violence Connection. Then on WCW main event the night after last Sunday, Austin, that's Stunning Steve Austin, and Pillman, that's Brian Pillman, they come out and randomly challenge the champions, uh, Rhodes and Windham's. Rhodes and Windham. Uh, and Rhodes and Wyndham say, be there and we'll be there too. So they did accept the match and, uh, we just kind of got teased at the beginning, but yeah, uh, interesting that they're pairing Pillman and Austin, but I like how Austin is, uh, you can see he's learning from Pillman, you know, Mm. uh, you'll see as we go covering these episodes too, Pillman is kind of that, that spark, that wild card that goes off at the lip. And Austin doesn't necessarily become that until 1996, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. What's interesting about this pairing is that they don't really, at least on the Saturday night timeline, they don't really make it clear as to how they became a team. Exactly. Um, and, but if I'm not mistaken, I thought that they didn't start teaming up and officially were paired as a tag team until 93. Right. I could be, I could be wrong. Um, we'll have to go back and, uh, know do some research there but um you know no paulie dangerously there's no real mention of that um either a lot of other stuff takes place on different shows or they're just trying to make us forget you know that certain things happened and they're trying to move forward with some of their stories like with the whole michael hayes situation yeah um but the association with paulie you know is is austin still with the dangerous alliance is there even a dangerous alliance Is, is pillman a part of it like there's a lot of moving parts that like don't really get touched on but we've been known to kind of jump the gun a little bit and then they'll bring it up later so maybe in the next few weeks but this was interesting how they just kind of put these two together Mm -hmm. um as a team um at least in this timeline yeah absolutely we go to a commercial and come back to jr in that control center don't talk shit about this vince it's not a video wall i had to hook this whole thing up i had rca cables in the back i had a va (laughs) cable right there I, i mean i'm trying to do this myself 
I haven't got an HDMI. I don't even know what the fuck that does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jim tosses to a pre-recorded made-to-look-live interview via satellite with Jake Roberts. He, he, he asks him about the match um, he'd like, and Jake says, I'd like this, I'd like that, and I might change my mind by Halloween Havoc, so you never know. Stay tuned. Or pretty much. Then Jim tosses to Ron Simmons in the same fashion. Ron Simmons will be at Halloween Havoc and ready for the Barbarian. Okay. Uh, then Jim reiterates the stipulations for the NWA title match with Chono and Rude, each man having their own referee appointed. Then he asks Rude on the video screen, uh, who, what do you think about this new stipulation? Rude says, well, I'm elated. And... Um, You'll find out my choice on October 25th, that night at Halloween Havoc. Okay. And there's also going to be a rematch at Halloween Havoc. It's the unified tag team titles on the line. Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes against Terry Gordy and Steve Williams. Okay. Yeah, so we got some stuff lined up for Halloween Havoc. We go to a commercial and come back, and it's Pillman and Steve Austin ringside with Jim Ross. And sure, it's not a tag team title match that they get, but it's the next best thing. Steve needs uh, Pillman there to build his confidence is what I see in this in this uh, pairing. Uh, so it's uh-huh. good stuff. We then go to Rhubarb Jones in the ring, tossing to Scotty Flamingo. Boy! And his opponent, the Z-Man. Yeah, Flamingo gives us uh, an arm drag and then does the worst Flamingo or Fargo strut I've ever seen, his little flare strut. It's not the worst match, but it's slow plotting basic stuff. And uh, sad we already got an arm submission build for Bobby and Arn, so this is kind of stupid because Scotty works over the arm of Z-Man. And then super kick from Z-Man to Scotty Flamingo. He covers him one, two, no foot on the rope from Flamingo. Then a top rope drop kick from the Z-Man one, two, three. Z-Man pins Scotty Flamingo. Yeah. Just those guys staying right in the middle, everybody. Staying right in the middle. (laughs) Commercial and back. Let's go to Tony in this up close and personal with up close. Hi, I'm Tony Schiavone with Up Close and Personal. I'm here with Eric Watts, and it's boring, and no one gives a shit. I don't care. Pretty much. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, was... I have to send you something regarding Eric Watts that I saw. Ugh, he's that I the think worst. You would, uh, he's the I, worst. I, I think you would enjoy. He's the worst, folks. We go to a uh, Cactus Jack and Jake the Snake, and Jake the Snake is with his albina cobra. It's an albino, but yeah. They call it Albina. Jake shoves it in Jack's face, and then um, he asks about the spinner's choice, and Jake talks as the snake bites itself. This is really dangerous. This cobra in his hand is just biting everything and biting the glove, and Jake lists down the match stipulations again for Halloween Havoc. Uh, Jake says that in any match you choose, you will see a snake. It may not be this snake. But you play with snakes, you're going to get bitten. Interesting foreshadowing stuff. Maybe Jake gets bit. Who gets bit? Somebody gets bit. I don't know. We'll see. Then Cactus pulls on the wheel and spins. And it's a good look. Another way to pimp the match again. And that ends that little segment right there. So, yeah, 
Then we go to the w- ring. It's hot action. DDP and Vinny Vegas, the Vegas Connection. Their opponents, Gary Jackson and Jumpin' Joey Max. Ah. Jumpin' Joey Max. Yeah, you know, the only thing I really liked about this match was the way the ropes and the turnbuckles squeaked as they hit them. Uh, just kind of throwback. I love stuff like that where it's like, <laughs> sing, 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 sing. you know, that kind of old, old fashioned sound. Yeah, anyhow. Uh, then. Vinny learns a lesson in psychology. He tries to tag DDP, and once again, Nick Patrick says, no, sir, you're outside of the, on the apron. You can't tag from out there. So, uh, again, not helping out the heels. Nick Patrick should have been looking at the faces at this point. Uh, anyhow, I hate Nick Patrick. Vinny and DDP should have uh, teamed up a little bit more, but this is some good stuff. Gut wrench bomb from Vinny to Jackson. Then DDP runs the ropes twice and drops a big leg. What, dude? Huh? One, two, three. Vegas connection goes oh over. Yeah. Any thoughts about that? No, not really. <laughs> I mean, yeah. um, like I said last week, it looked like they were just trying to give these two something to do. Yep. Um, although they they did, they would eventually manage to be, you know, to gel into a decent little mid-card tandem. So, I mean... Yeah, a little cheesy, um, though, as we'll see. Yeah, yeah, just a little, but I mean, you know, like I I said, this was just them giving them something to do because they weren't really doing anything. Mm -hmm. We go to ringside with Jim Ross, and the Vegas connection is there. Tomorrow in the main event, Paige will go one-on-one with Marcus Alexander Bagwell. DDP says, um, you know... Bagwell shouldn't be the rookie of the year. I should be the rookie of the year. Yeah, DDP at like 40 years old. Rookie of the year, everybody. <laughs> then he says, right, Vin Man? He calls Vinny Vin Man, which is funny because Kevin Nash calls Vince Vin Man all the time when he mentions Vince McMahon. It's interesting. Yep. Anyhow, yeah. and uh, Vin Man, that's Vinny Vegas, he responds with his awesome catchphrase, his new uh, catchphrase, Absolutely fucking hate it and then he laughs he goes <laughs> everybody i'm gonna hit you in the head yeah. with my toilet lid size hand <laughs> right across the face oh that was one of the best everybody go to the retromania <laughs> facebook page you can see that video still of Vin man <laughs> oh we go to a commercial and back with jr he is with cactus jack cactus jack says it's a fine line between friends and enemies and Rick Rude, when you take on Ron Simmons before he takes on the Barbarian, you can hurt Ron and be a friend, or you could become the champ and be the enemy. And Ron better think about Barbarian and the 300 pounds that's going to be outside. That's him referencing uh, Cactus Jack will be in the corner of Barbarian. So getting ready for uh, all that Halloween Havoc stuff. I like that. Yeah. I liked I liked that segment with Cactus because he acknowledged another number one contender, which they haven't been doing, at least in terms of the other contenders. Like Ron Simmons acknowledged Rick Rude, Vader, and then the stuff going on with Cactus and the Barbarian. But the last few weeks, um, 
it seems like the other number one contenders, the other heels that are in line for a title shot, don't really mention each other. So I thought that was interesting, especially the line where you could attack him and be a friend or you can win, be the champion and be an enemy. I thought that was interesting. I liked I liked it. And it kind of, you know, it kind of now it's got the wheels turning in my head like Rick Rude against a baby face Cactus Jack. What could have been? Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff with the heels and just tension. You know, it's it's the way it should be yeah. if it's, you're going to present it as a sport. There's always some yep. guy, you know, like the Pac, uh, Moxley, and uh, Omega stuff. Yep. Yeah, you know? Not sure what's going on, but, you know, one they're trying to get a win. You know, that's what matters. Yeah. All right, we go to Rhubarb Pie. He's announcing the Barbarian teaming up with Tony Atlas. What the fuck is tony atlas doing here their opponents are jeff daniels and t.a mccoy oh oh tony atlas he's crazy uh uh yeah he's the replacement for the other black guy <laughs> butch reed that's what it is i i was gonna go there but you just beat me to it <laughs> yeah that's all it is folks cactus says he's tony's motivator okay we'll see we're, Tony needs a lot of motivation. Yeah, especially to get um, uh, some better wrestling gear. What the fuck? He has white boots. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, here, let, let me run it down. It's gray sweatpants okay. tucked into white wrestling boots with a black spandex tank top where white out is painted on to make a little stupid skull in the center. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is he on oh, drugs man. already? Uh, he 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 had he had already went down that okay. path. He had already been on drugs. Woo. Every time I think of Tony Atlas, I just think of that that interview he did with the the Vice Land documentary about the Brody murder. Yeah. Every time I every time I see him, I think about like, as stupid as he as stupid as he was in terms of his character and what he did in wrestling from time to time. I'll always have a ton of respect for him for what he had to endure and go through with that whole Brody situation. Every time I think of him, every time I see him, I just think of that. Now. Yeah. That, that might be like part of the reason why he, he fell into drugs harder too. you know, that could be, yeah, know, that, that, that could very well be yeah. that type of stuff that you see. Um, a coping mechanism for him. Also, I can yeah. just like visualize, like he shows up and they're like, where's your gear? Like, I got it on daddy. They're like, what the f- Somebody I left my gear in Puerto Rico. I told you I was never going back to Puerto Rico. Somebody get the uh, somebody get the white out. Let's put a skull on here so we can try to pair him <laughs> up with Barbarian in a way. I don't fucking know. Uh, I know that was no, that was that was very that was very last minute bush league. Like somebody 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 put that together in the back of a VFW. Yeah. You know, Tony Atlas <laughs> choke slams the dude and then holds him in a full Nelson lock, and the guy gets uh, slept out. The referee holds his hand up one two three or whatever. Ring the bell. Full Nelson lock, everybody. Yep. All right. With your whiteout tank top. Yep. A uh, commercial and back. It's stunning Steve Austin and Brian Pillman out to face Dustin Rhodes and Brad Armstrong. What? JR was like, I don't know if Barry Windham's going to make it. I don't know what what the deal is regarding Barry Windham. Uh, it, it might be transit problems. We don't know what's going on right now. Okay, that's interesting. Bionic elbow uh, and, and 
sorry, Bionic Elbow from Dustin and Jim Ross says, it must be a hereditary move there. Also the bleeding. Because goddamn, your boys can bleed, daddy. I'm talking Cody and uh, Dustin. Both fucking bleed. That's right, baby. Yeah, we got the blood flowing in our family. Just uh, goddamn brush against me and I'll bleed. All right, great studio wrestling. If you say blood, I stop bleeding. Yeah, exactly. If you spell it out on a piece of paper, if you write B L O O D and it spells blood, then I just be dripping like a faucet, <laughs> baby. It's actually my so if blood. You don't say blood. If you smell it, if you write it down, if you talk about it, the American Dream Dusty Road just gonna be filibusting out with some blood, baby. <laughs> yeah, pretty much filibusting. At the seams. Filibustin' <laughs> uh, Dustin, baby. This is actually some great studio wrestling here. Um, yes, it is. And to bring up studio wrestling, thoughts on NWA Power? Did you get a chance to... Yes, I did. Uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a good throwback. Um, it reminded me a lot of the NWA yes. that we covered from 1986 on the original Mark and yes. days, right? I love the look. Um, I enjoyed the no-entrance music. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? Dave Lagana on Twitter said that, you know, someone brought up, uh, oh, one of the guys going to have entrance music. And he said that the audience is the is the music, the soundtrack for these guys' entrances, the reactions that they give. And I thought that was very telling. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I really, really love as, mu- as much as people rave about Nick Aldis as the NWA champion. And I think he's great. Um I really dug Eli Drake. Oh, yeah. Um, he reminded me a lot of a young, stunning Steve Austin, as we talk about, you know, in this match here. Um, you look at the guy over here. Him. You look at him. Like, he's got that old school promo of, the, like, you look yeah, at. It, it, it reminds great. me. He reminds me a lot of The Rock and Steve Austin kind of, like, co- combined. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was good. It was really good stuff. I, I enjoyed it. And it's just, I'm, it's it's such a great time to be a fan, you know, with, like I said, you have Raw on Mondays, if you watch Raw, because I know you don't, um, you know, NWA Power Tuesdays, pretty soon Impact Wrestling is going to be on Tuesdays, Wednesday, AEW and NXT, um, Thursdays, I don't know, there's nothing really there. It's usually like a catch up day for me. And then Fridays, you got SmackDown. I mean, damn, how much, how much, you know, more wrestling can you cram into a week? It's great. Yeah, always good stuff, man. I love it right now. Um, this is a good tag team match, though. Like I said, uh, Barry. Yes, it was. I enjoyed it. Yeah, and I like that they still had Pillman and Armstrong, you know, ha- having to uh, have an altercation in a way. Continuity. Yes, indeed. Barry Windham then comes out and pulls Dustin Rhodes off of the apron by his tights, and then they slap each other and have some words. Whoa, Pillman and Austin double-team Rhodes, and then Barry comes in to save him. Interesting. JR says, they fight each other, and then they fight with each other. What's going on here? Then uh, Rhubarb announces that Pillman and Steve Austin win by DQ. Because Barry Windham attacked Dustin. Folks, we yep. will have to follow up on that tomorrow on main event. And where the, I want to fucking see main event now. But we go off the air. And that's your episode of WCW Saturday Night. Uh, very impressive. I love the new direction that we're going in with Pillman and Austin. Um, you know, we have continuity, but we're also going in a new direction. You can tell. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff, and then the the little um, tiff between Rhodes and Wyndham. Good stuff there, because we'll get some good matches out of it. Uh, yeah, just great stuff. I think 
uh, it goes without saying, WCW Saturday Night wins. I would have to agree. Samesies. Yeah. Well, that's about it for this week. Yes, it is. Indeed. Thank you very much. Yeah, everybody. Um, had, a, had a good one. Yeah, have a, have, have a good one. Enjoy all your wrestling. Don't forget, um, each and every Saturday here on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, you can find Marking Out Today's Weekend Warriors, as, all, as well as all of our great shows like Kicking Out at Two, uh, Hulkamania's Dead, Gaijin Wrestling Radio, Origins of Attitude, um, and so much more. You can find all of those, plus bo- great bonus content as well. Yes, indeed. Like, subscribe, share. It's the way that we grow. Find us on any plat- podcasting platform by searching Retromania with a W. You can find us on Facebook by searching Retromania with a W. You can find us on Twitter at Retromania Pod, or you can write to us old school style at Retromania Podcast at gmail.com. All right, Dave, you want to sign off and then we will say goodbye. Yes, I am signing off. Thank you all so very much for tuning in and we will check you all next week. All right, goodbye.